Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi and your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The sermon is called the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And when it says the right to the power, that's the right to anointing because anointing is always power and to put off our former way of life which we have inherited from the genetic line of our fathers we have and it has the legitimate right to our body and our soul so that this law of sin and death be overcome and clothed into the victory of Christ we need to put off our former way of life and clothe our bodies into a new way of life and this is only possible having anointing and so speaking about anointing that's the right to the power the right to anointing and so the anointing of a teacher and a student to put off and be renewed you need two forms of anointing the person that teaches me the revelations and the student that receives these revelations and confesses these revelations and is clothed into this victory of Christ or clothes himself into it And so, these words were written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady. The, the scriptures say that you cannot discern any of the scriptures for yourself. Uh, they have never been revealed to man because of the, their will or the will of man, but by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so, if a holy person is clothed into the Holy Spirit and he isn't clothed into the status of an apostle <clears throat> he is the one that will be able to explain this to me 
if it's simply a teacher that passes on information it is different in order to interpret this revelation that's given from God he gives us an apostle that is led by the Holy Spirit and who will be able to interpret to me this truth and so this revelation is from Apostle Paul and it is explained by Apostle Arkady these are God's mysteries and it is revealed to us and has presented this to us and it appears very clear to us uh, it seems as if it's clear to put off be renewed and put on uh, reading them directly it may seem very obvious what it is but that is not the case if it with God everything is a mystery and if he gives the word uh, through uh, and the apostle speaks it in the old and new testament the apostles of today then explain and interpret them and so we have this command uh, to put off be renewed and put on fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness relevant to, the, to this we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David in which getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisting of the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David and so here's the psalm that contains these eight names that David presented so that he can demonstrate his love to him and activate these names against his enemies Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together now proclaim these eight wonderful names. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. <clears throat> May the Lord hear these words. May he make us worthy of these names. And may he confirm them within our heart. In a specific format, we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High. The name, Lord, you are my strength. And the strength uh, reflects God's power, His might, and He has magnified His word above all His names. And so when we're saying, Lord, you are my strength, here we're saying, you are the one who has magnified your word above all of your names. And now, every name of God, uh, the remaining names, the shield, horn of salvation, stronghold, all of them have this essence of God's strength and His might because they are presented in the status of the Word of God that God has magnified above all of His names. And so we studied this name uh, strength and we will continue to study our lot and the power contained in the name of God, Rock. Lord, you are my rock. Which in 
in its inner essence has an unearthly quality which is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of a man. In Scripture, the identification of the word rock regarding the natural quality of God Most High is illustrated with the following colorful tints. Rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is God's nature. And, of course, then our nature also, if we're collaborating with the, with the Lord in His name, Rock. And here is how the quality of the word Rock is when it comes to His name, the name of God. This is stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. And as we talked about, Pastor uh, pretty much uh, took the definition of the name rock in the least expected definition uh, where he took the definition of weights and who would have thought that the Lord is our rock he contains the ability to examine himself search himself weigh himself examine himself and so that's what these weights uh, refer to Therefore, the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of His justice all that is created by Him to punish or reward each one according to their weight. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High, to collaborate with the name of God, Most High, containing contained in the Rock of His name, is to possess the authority and right to judge both yourself as well as those people who are under your responsibility to judge within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and your actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High as well as the words and the actions of people that are under our responsibility. The Lord weighs His creation upon His scale plates. If you are His creation, and not just his creation, but his child. And so his children also need to weigh themselves. Uh, our Father weighs everything. We also need to have this uh, ability to weigh ourselves, not the one that is next to us. Uh, the sinful conduct that we have inherited uh, weighs, judges, and evaluates uh, our neighbor what, and what is good, what is bad, what you like, what you don't like. Um, but the scriptures say it's necessary to weigh your words, your actions upon these scale plates, uh, the scale plates of God's commandments, God's statutes, His instructions. And to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God Most High, which quenches our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our calling, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions. What in its essence is His name rock? What purpose is our prayer, or in our prayers, is the quality of His name rock called to fulfill? What price do we need to pay to be clothed into the quality of His name rock? And by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the virtue of His name rock? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions and have been studying the third question. And this is the price. What price do we need to pay? This is the more elaborated version. What price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our, our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds that He needs 
to keep us in His perfect peace. As it is written, Isaiah 26, 3, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. We continue to study, we continue to talk about the name of God, Rock. The Lord wants to establish His covenant with His saints, as it is written in Daniel, that the Lord will establish His covenant at the door of the week, if you remember the week of Daniel, and for the chosen by God remnant, He will confirm in them the salvation that they have. They will, he will establish in them the justification they have. He will establish in them the righteousness they have. Righteousness also needs to, and justification needs to be established because if we go there to heaven and we have not established, confirmed our our justification, we will we will perish. And so the work of every person will be revealed and Jesus Christ himself will establish our righteousness and our justification. And so the foundation, the foundation being our justification, it needs to be established. If it will be confirmed in us, our foundation, our justification, then we will not perish. The building itself is righteousness. The righteousness also needs to be established. It is confirmed, it is established when we collaborate with His Holiness, His Word, and we don't build anything based upon our own opinions and thoughts, but from gold, precious stones, and the Lord's revelations, that is the one, the building that will stand, and the Lord will test the building of every person at the time of harvest. And so the foundation of justification needs to be confirmed, established, and how do you determine whether you, whether a righteous, uh, the justification can is confirmed? And so one who will not have it confirmed is one who resists the order of God. One who resists the Lord's uh, delegated one, his messenger, uh, because this is the very person that uh, by whom the Lord can give him or uh, show him his mercy. And if a person is resisting this person, uh, standing against this person, he in this way loses this uh, foundation. But a person who has confirmed his justification, uh, the Lord will always give him an opportunity, even if there's something that may be wrong. Uh, uh, you could still come to the Apostle and uh confess your sins, confess those things, and uh, you are then uh, pure. You're purified and cleansed from your from your uh, sins. This is a great mercy. The building itself even can be fully burned down, but the foundation needs to remain justification. And if before death a person can't turn to anyone for, uh, and confess his sins, this person, unfortunately, has built not just his building will be burned down, but also his foundation. And this is a catastrophe. This is a shipwreck in faith. We are people that sin. We are holy, but we have a carnal and uh, and a sinful nature within us that we battle with. And what is uh, and the Lord God knows all of those things. And if we don't collaborate with Him, 
in his justification, in his forgiveness. And we, if we are not uh, considerate of our brothers and sisters and can't forgive them, then everything uh, that that sinful part of us will will become alive in us. It's better that we uh, do the right thing and get rid of it. And so the Lord wants to establish us in his name rock. As we know, David uh, says that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. And when he realized this, the scriptures say that the Philistines rose up to fight against David and they were uh, encamping in the valley of near the Israel nation. And so as soon as the Lord establishes our kingdom, our old man will rise against us and will attempt to mix the revelations of God with his own personal opinions, uh, uh, trying to uh, or attempting to pervert the truth so that we follow a different form of truth, mixing the things of man with the things of God so that a person can't uh, uh, confirm, establish his justification and salvation. David in this valley overcame the Philistines because he was not looking at what what threats they were giving him, but he was looking at what the Lord uh, provided in his word. We will look at the price, the price we need to pay to uh, work with the name of the Lord, Rock. The price of the fifth condition for the right to possess the quality of the Rock of the Lord is to integrate or implement the order of God into our calling or subjugate your calling to the order of God by the means of the judgments of righteousness. Exodus 18:21 through 23. Here we see the advice of Moses' father-in-law to him regarding uh, judging the nation and how he needs to appoint people to assist him. Exodus 18, 21 through 23. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. And so today we won't independently be studying uh, a church leadership or the essence of it or the commanding structure itself but rather the individual person whose calling it is to rule over himself or herself within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes which identify the order in which the body of Christ functions and only after look at the commanding structure so we know within what boundaries we need to obey ourselves to their word. And so this is referring to the fivefold service, the commanding structure that we need to obey. But we will be studying specifically us, ourselves, our every individual person. If we have this order within ourselves, uh, this fivefold service within ourselves, then we, uh, that means we have God's order within our essence. And so, are you the fivefold service, or do you have that essence within you? 
you need to see this within yourself, first of all. And this only happens when you're within God's order. And if we don't see this fivefold service within ourselves, if you come up to this person and say, uh, and say that this person represents God's authority, uh, and if we stumble upon this person and we resist such a person, that means we don't have order within ourselves. We need to bring order within ourselves so that we can correctly behave toward others. And when I have order within myself, and so when you look at each individual person uh, greater than yourself and and not uh, looking down on them, And this is every individual member of the church and also the messenger of the Lord. And so if the members are sons of God, they're the son of the Most High, the daughters of the Most High, we need to treat them correctly. Let us look at the order of God within ourselves so that we can correctly then behave and treat the ones whom God has given to us. And to see this order within ourselves, let us turn to the first phrase which Jethro told Moses, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. We need to yield four characteristics from the given verse, characteristics that our spirit needs to have so that it can be clothed into the quality of a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to govern over ourselves as well as those people whom we carry responsibility for before God. These are the four and so, the first is to be an able person, to have the fear of the Lord, to be a person of truth or a fair person, and to hate covetousness. And so, if we have these four characteristics, then we will not ever need to ask uh, what the fivefold service consists of. We will treat the saints with great respect and see each individual person as a child of God. We need to know that to rule or to govern is not to control or to violate the sovereign boundaries of those people whom we carry responsibility for, uh, but instead take their guilt upon yourself before God and be an example to them of how a person needs to obey God. This is a responsibility of a father in the house, this is a responsibility of a pastor in the church. This is a responsibility of a mother when it comes to her children. This guilt needs to be taken upon yourself and be an example to them. And when it's when it's saying be an example, not just be an example in, in deeds and works, but you need to speak with your children. You need to speak with them. He has given us an apostle as an example. And so, when you ask the question, show me how uh, Jesus needs to be, and we follow the example of our pastor, but the Lord gives you this example only if he first needs to, uh, only if this person will explain to you what a Christian is supposed to be. 
And so again, you need to be an example and then talk about the truth of the Word of God <coughs> and about the perfection of God with word and then with actions. First Peter 5, 2-4 Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. First Peter 5, 2 through 4. Four characteristics giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves. This is to be an able person, a person who is strong and bold, and also one who fears the Lord. And we've been studying the third, which means a person or being a person of truth this is a person who is fair to be a person of truth or a fair person is to stand guard of the codex of righteousness according to which we need to think speak and behave here is one of the many places of scripture which contains some of the components which make up the codex of righteousness here is this codex of righteousness there's a codex uh, for example, of our in our country, this is the Constitution. We have a codex of uh, that's within the church. And today we are presented with the codex of righteousness, which we need to have within our heart. The codex of righteousness that needs to be written within our heart. First Thessalonians five fifteen through twenty four. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the Lord of God, may the, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In the given place of Scripture, we see presented the role of God and the role of man, giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the quality of the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves. If we accomplish or complete our part of the job, then God will receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to accomplish the promised to us by Him part of the job so that He can sanctify us fully so that our, our spirit, soul, and body could be kept without blemish at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our role in sanctification called to preserve our dedication where we would be able to continuously bring God the offering of praise presented in the given place of scripture in ten components of the order of the law of righteousness, standing guard of the holiness of truth. And so these are the ten we just read in the book of Thessalonians. See that no one render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are beneficial to God. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. <clears throat> Each of the ten presented components exist in one the other, come from one the other, reinforce one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the components is examined by the existence or presence of the other components in them, which in their essence or their unification demonstrate an incredible balance of the one who is perfect in knowledge. 
Today we will study the seventh, eighth, and ninth conditions. Seventh condition is to not despise prophecies, and that is the one we will be studying, and then on Sunday we will be studying the tenth. And so seventh condition of the Codex of Righteousness that needs to be written upon our heart. <clears throat> and so the seventh condition, to be a person of truth, standing guard of your dedication to God by the truth of sanctification so that you can rule over yourself, is to not despise prophecies so that you can possess the spirit of prophecy. Revelations 19.10 for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. <clears throat> and so very powerful uh, word. So if we despise prophecies, we will be despising the testimony of Jesus within ourselves. What do the scriptures say about the subject of prophecy and what categories and characteristics do the scriptures provide the subject of prophecy? Every one of us needs to not despise prophecy, and every one of us needs to prophesy. And we're not talking about gender or age. The children and adults and people of uh, elderly people, male and female, Jews and Greeks, if they call the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon Him, and they have this testimony of Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the ability to prophesy. <clears throat> to testify that you are a Christian is the ability to prophesy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is predicting the future, the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit within your heart, the ability to interpret parables, visions, dreams, and events, the ability to see and differentiate the signs of the times, the ability to comprehend the revelations of the Most High, the ability to edify and comfort yourself and the testimony of Jesus within the spirit of man. Here is what prophecy is. Summarizing the meaning of all of these definitions of prophecy, it is the confessions of the faith of God that abide in our heart. Prophecy, if you are asked what prophecy is, is the testimony of Christ and what is the testimony of Christ this is the confession of the faith of God abiding within our heart every time when I confess the faith of God which abides in my heart this is prophecy and when I prophesy this way that means I have the testimony of Jesus that means I'm a child of God this means that I am a Christian this is how God will examine his children can you confess the faith of your heart? And so to confess, you need to first cleanse your conscience from dead works and then bring in God's law, the teaching, the truth. And how do you bring it in? You need to first find a church that corresponds to the requirement of a virtuous wife and the narrow gate and to enter pass through, enter into this narrow gate and walk then in the footsteps of the shepherds near the shepherds' tents and hear the shepherd. And so this prophecy 
that this is a very rich list of different definitions and if we uh, want to understand it prophecy is the ability to hear within your heart the voice of the Holy Spirit and to understand and interpret the revelations of the Most High to see and differentiate the signs of the times to be edified and comforted with the Holy Scriptures and be clothed by confession into the testimony of Jesus. And so you will say, well, we have this. We have the ability to hear the voice, uh, voice of the Lord in our spirit, to understand and interpret it. That means you have this spirit of prophecy. You have, if you are able to be comforted with this word, if you're able to see and differentiate the signs of the times and are able to confess this word, then you have the spirit of prophecy. This means you have the testimony of Jesus. That means you are true Christians. Prophecy depends upon the measure of our faith, <clears throat> which in turn, in turn depends upon the measure of our dedication to God. At the same time, our dedication to God <clears throat> depends upon the measure of our spiritual growth. Romans 12.6 Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. <clears throat> the proportion or measure of our faith is our spiritual growth and our dedication. Our prophecy depends upon our spiritual growth and our spiritual growth is in dependence upon our dedication. How a person is dedicated to God is how you can determine his spiritual growth and the quality of his prophecy. And so if a person forsakes the services of God, churches of God, he you can't see these signs of dedication then his prophecies will be very dim within himself. For us to have the testimony of Christ or the prophecy so that it can burn brightly, we need to dedicate ourselves uh, properly. And this, of course, is linked to sanctification and spiritual growth. And so the level in which you dedicate yourself, the measure of your dedication will determine your growth as well. First Samuel 2.26 And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. <clears throat> he was a prophet of God, and he grew in stature. Why did the Lord not allow him to judge uh, the nation or to be a father until he grew into a speci- in, in spiritually, that he sp- spiritually was mature? We need to note that a prophet is always one who prophesies. However, one that prophesies is not always someone who is a prophet. Acts 21.8.9 On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. They weren't prophets, but they did prophesy. The virtue of a prophet within the body of Christ is leadership in the form of the fivefold service. Acts 13.1.2 Now in the church that was at Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, 
who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod and Tetruch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. <clears throat> it is evident that the Church of God in Antioch consisted of a couple thousand members. However, leadership only consisted of five people, and all of them were either prophets or teachers. Considering this, we need to note the fact that a prophet is always a teacher, but a teacher is not always a prophet. A prophet, in comparison to a teacher, will always govern in word. Upon practice, this means that the word of the prophet, in comparison to the word of the teacher, who prophesies by the measure of his faith, will always possess a great measure, a greater measure of anointing power. Acts 14, 8-12 And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Then this man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying, In the Lysanian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of man. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Acts 14, 8-12 However, the testimony of Jesus in the form of the spirit of prophecy is called to belong to both the prophets and those who speak prophecies. And so, prophets have the quality of a, to, or the ability to prophesy, as we see. But the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, is something that both prophets and all the saints of God have who need to prophesy. Because the testimony of Jesus in our spirit is the combined two formats of truth, the Thummim and Urim. If the testimony of Jesus within the spirit of man is not confirmed by the confessions of our mouth, such testimony will be wasted or lost. And so we have the testimony of Jesus inside of us, but it is confirmed by the confessions of our mouth. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so if we have testimony that we are children of God, it needs to demonstrate itself in the confessions of our mouth. Otherwise, this testimony of Jesus Christ will be lost or wasted. And so to despise prophecies is to have uh, great promises within you but be silent. It's not just saying, I don't agree uh, what the helper of the pastor says. I, I, no one's saying this, but I'm just bringing this example. <clears throat> and so this obviously does speak of the fact he does despise prophecies. And so when you have this wealth in your heart, and you're just silent and not confessing, not thanking God for it, then you will lose this testimony within yourself. <clears throat> to not despise prophecies is to meditate, research, and study the consistency of these prophecies comparing them to the truth of the Holy Scriptures, and if they do not correspond to the law, 
and spirit of the word of scripture, then this means that these prophecies do not have light in them and you should not accept them. Isaiah 8.20 To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Any revelation that comes, and sometimes saints share uh, and say, well, I received this revelation. Isaiah says, the Lord speaks through Isaiah that if they do not uh, correspond to and are not in accordance with the word, then they do not have light in them. And so when people begin to dig, and they dig in scripture with their mind that's out of the, the parameters of the Sabbath, out of the word that is given to us, independent of it, people may find things, but by finding things, they bury the things that they already have in their heart and need to work on. And so you need to be careful when you're digging not to bury the ones you have, to be able to dig in the word and not bury the treasure. And so when when you when we when I'm using the phrase dig, I am meaning that you are literally bearing the ones that you have. And and this is typically a clumsy thing that is being done uh, that's the focus not being what the word that you're being offered or given, but uh, trying to find your own um, your own word, your own truth. And so there are people that actually rebel and complain against the book of Luke, the book of Songs of Solomon. They, they, uh, they dislike them, they don't agree or want to read them. And the reason is because they begin digging and they begin interpreting on their own and they want to get rid of it. Um, this is a big problem. And so no prophecy in scripture is to be uh, interpreted of, uh, of the by the mind of man, only the Spirit of God is able to interpret uh, using his messengers, his people. Further, we need to note that the testimony of Jesus in the form of the spirit of prophecy can develop and perfect in man exclusively within the atmosphere of the love of God agape. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-5 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so if we will not pursue love, we will not be able to prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. A very interesting uh, 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 information and facts about prophecy and not to despise prophecy. And so what we're reading, this this very scriptures, everything that the sermon that we're reading is a prophetic word. Uh, pastor needed to be able to interpret it and to interpret, take God's revelations that are in mystery and make them accessible, understandable. 
And so the scriptures say <clears throat> that people need to have the ability to explain what they uh, what they are reading, what is in mystery, so that it be accessible <clears throat> to the people. Our brother Arkady, of course, he has the ability to interpret also uh, the language of tongues. And he is able to then demonstrate this in the tr- in the truth that we read. We confess with our mouth, and when we confess with our mouth, this is also a form of our prophecy. Now let's look at the eighth condition of Codex of Righteousness. Eighth condition to be a person of truth, standing guard of your dedication to God by the truth of sanctification so that you can rule over yourself is to test all your ways, how much they correspond to the demands of the truth which are written in Scripture. As it's written in Scripture, test all things, test your ways, how much they correspond to the truth. We need to note that it is referring to testing those things which are relevant or take part in our relationship with God. Therefore, to test is to weigh yourself upon the scales of righteousness, separating the clean from the unclean and the holy from the unholy. Lamentation 340. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. To test your ways is to test the building and consecration of your altar, representing our motives and our goals which we pursue upon our ways. When we build ourselves into an altar of the Lord and it will be consecrated and prepared to pursue the goals and motives of God, we will be able to offer sacrifices on it that are acceptable to God. Therefore, to test our ways which are our motives and goals which will allow us to either speak to the Lord or to walk away from Him, we need to know the time and statute. Ecclesiastes 8, 5-7 He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him? when it will occur. To know the time and judgment and this and statute that both time and judgment or time and statute sometimes people say talk about the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. People ask the question, when will this happen? When will it happen? And so when we're talking about time, we need to know how much time. Not when, but how much time do we have. And so the apostles say, the time is short. And so when the Lord talking about time, He doesn't talk about when, He talks about how much time uh, remains. And this is a good response. To know the time is to know how much time remains, and the statute is how do you use this time so you can come out of your carnal state and grow in Jesus Christ. To keep his commandment, it is necessary to be taught his statutes consisted in his commandments, which pursue the good goals of God demonstrated in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. To be taught his statutes consisting in his commandments, it is necessary to be clothed into a robe of a student, which is a mantle of a teacher. And so one who knows time and 
and judgment or time and statute, he is clothed into a mantle of a student <clears throat> or a robe of a student, which is a mantle of a teacher. And so what is a mantle? This is... And so this mantle is typically something a teacher wore and it was his regular everyday clothes. And for me as a student, this is a mantle of a king, a priest and prophet. We need to understand how it's beautiful. Pastor shows it. What is a mantle of a student is a mantle of the teacher. And then pay an appropriate price for the right to be a student of Christ and learn from him by learning from the person who represents the fatherhood of God to us. We know that Elisha, he received this mantle from his teacher. Although, when the Lord said upon Mount Horeb that he go and anoint uh, Elisha in his place, how did Elijah anoint him? He took his mantle and threw it upon Elisha. At this time, Elisha was working his field and he had oxen and when the prophet of God cast this mantle and threw it upon him, he knew that this is a mantle for him and so he then slaughtered his his oxen and he had uh, cooked it and given this meat to the people and he followed after Elijah after that time. Further, we note that the ability to test yourself is linked to a specific segment of time where we are offered the chance to be clothed into the mantle of a student from the position of which we are then able to test our goals and our motives and how much they correspond to the demands of the interests of our Lord. To miss the allocated for us margin of time means to trust upon your own mind when it comes to studying the will of God, which are the goals of God. To miss this allocated amount of allocated amount of time is to trust upon your mind. The Lord says that the Lord knows the heart, and so what do I need to do within this margin of time given to me? When a person misses the time that the Lord gives, all the virgins were called. And the entire church, and for this example, is the whole church. It came out to the call. But the unwise virgins missed the time. God gave time to do something so that the uh, mantle of the teacher would become the students. A person trusting upon his own mind when studying the will of God is according to Scripture, a person who encrouches upon God's place. This is because trusting upon the abilities of your own mind when studying the will of God is to burn incense to your mind as to your God. A person clothed into the virtue of a king but trusting upon his own mind when studying the will of God encrouches upon the priesthood which actually belongs to his spirit. Second Chronicles 26, 16-21 But when Uziah was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azar, Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eight or eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, 
But for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You should, you shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the palace. Indeed, he also hurried to get out, because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. <clears throat> this is what happens when a person who is clothed into the virtue of a king uh, but begins to trust upon his own intellect. A person trusting upon his own mind will cause rebellion in the church of saints and will bring his own faith to shipwreck. Jeremiah 46:17. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a noise. He has, he has passed by the appointed time. And so the wise heart knows time and statute but this Pharaoh missed his time. The wise heart doesn't ask when. And people ask me all the time, when will this happen? When will this happen? I say that the time is short. There's, And so how much? The question is, there's a catastrophic amount of time remaining. Uh, a little, catastrophically little amount of time remaining and the Pharaoh, king of Egypt and so when it says but a noise it is a noise, riot, roar, rebellion, defeat, devastation or, or desolation we will bring forth seven components where we will see the order and conditions according to which we are called to test those things which are supposed to take part in our relationship with God what do we need to test within our life? first to test is to refuse the evil and choose the good. And such testing is only possible after the preliminary work of eating curds and honey. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. This is how testing begins. To test, uh, to be able to test is to first eat. This is the first work needs to be done is to eat curds and honey. So we are able to refuse the evil and choose the good. And we receive it in the church from the person who is a father of God. This is how our altar is tested. That's why Uziah was struck at the altar because he did not test himself. In this altar, the Lord had shown uh, uh, Uzziah his true uh, motives and what he was doing there. It's the same thing here that the Lord tested himself, but only after he received the ability to eat curds and honey, to refuse the evil and choose the good. Someone needed to teach him this. Second, to test is to research and study what is acceptable to God 
and refuse to partake in unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians 5, 10, 11, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Third, to test is to examine yourself how much your life corresponds to sober doctrine. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? <clears throat> and so examining yourself, prepare your altar, your motives, your goals, so that they would collaborate with the goals and motives of God. Fourth, to test is is the ability to test the spirit who is active in the prophets. First John uh, 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so it's necessary to test the spirits. And you'll say, so now I need to what, test the prophets? Not those prophets whom God has given to us. We need to obey ourselves to them, but those who call themselves prophets. And there are many who call themselves in churches, they call themselves prophets, and they say, I have this, I've had this dream or I've had this vision, and I'm very concerned about it. I will tell you, uh, and, and you maybe you'll interpret it for me. And so you experience prophecy by uh, acknowledging that person whom God has sent into your life. And th this person will be able to correct either the dream or whatever a person may be uh, receiving. I had the situation where someone approached me and said, I have one of the brothers keeps telling me, uh, or a member of the church keeps saying, or this person keeps saying that they have dreams about me all the time. What do I do about it? And so when our pastor preaches to us, here we don't test the words that are, are, are given to us, but testing ourselves to see if we're ready to receive the truth. People who have, God has not sent to us, these are people, of course, that need to be tested, uh, to see who they are. Fifth, to test is the ability to try the oath promises of God given to us in a covenant with God. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. He says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive them. <clears throat> the Lord wants us to try his faithfulness to his word. Sixth, sixth. To test is the readiness to provide God with the ability to test our holiness demonstrated in our hatred for those who hate God and loathing those who rise up against God by rising up against his messengers. Psalm 139, 21 through 24. 
Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. You may say, wow, look at these powerful words he's using here. He's not afraid to say them, and the reason is the next words that follow. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It is truly important that you do not trust the options and abilities of your mind when testing your ways so that you can give God the ability with your prayers to to enlighten you with the light of the living. And so we need to test and give God the ability to test us. And so we need to test the spirits. We need to test what is good to God, acceptable to Him, and test ourselves. uh, And say this, Lord, test me. This is something that every saint needs to have. The Lord wants to test us and see. Seventh, to test is the preparedness or readiness to test our love for the habitation of God's house which is the place where His glory dwells. Psalm 26, 1-8 through 8. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mor- mortals, nor will I go in with Hypocrites! I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and to tell of all of your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 26, 1-8 In the given place of Scripture, we see it is necessary for us to examine ourselves and how we love the habitation of God's house. Ninth condition to be a person of truth, standing guard of your dedication to God by the truth of sanctification so that you can rule over yourself. We're studying this codex of righteousness. Ninth condition is to hold fast what is good or to emulate the model and example of good. It says, hold fast to what is good. And so to hold fast what is good, you need to compare yourself, and to compare yourself, you need to have a an appropriate role model or example that you can look to. <coughs> and so, for example, as they do... Uh, Within even the the army or military, they all are are structured. They all stand in in line. They're all straight, and they all follow the example uh, that of the of the one next to them. And so they, uh, the commander walks, and everyone is absolutely uh, standing, organized, and straight. And they all look, uh, and they all look in the in the correct direction. They all look in the in the right direction they have an example that they're following and doing this. Second Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, <clears throat> in love which are in Christ Jesus. 
Holding, only holding fast to a good role model, which is a person who possesses the authority of a father of God, do we receive the ability to compare ourselves to this role model so that we stand guard of our dedication by separating what is clean from what is unclean and what is holy from what is unholy? It is not possible to hold fast what is good, not having an example to follow in your heart or an example of sober doctrine which can only be presented to us by a person who is clothed <clears throat> by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father of God. And we are called to imitate the person who is placed over us by God as he imitates Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 15-17 For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. And he says, imitate me, not those that are assist assisting me or others, because often people will stumble and so me for example I know that I may make many mistakes but I look at uh, and I don't look at others to compare myself people need to make mistakes so that they can become free of them they they then realize what they what's in them we all need to imitate the correct person for this reason I have sent Timothy to you who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. 1 Corinthians 4, 15-17 According to this place of scripture, we can make a conclusion of two things. First, instructors in Christ do not always possess the authority of a father of God, but possessors of the authority of a father of God are always instructors. Second, we are not called to imitate instructors, which can number thousands, but the person who is clothed into the authority of a father of God. Holding fast what is good means <clears throat> having a role model, model or example of what is good is to fight the good fight of faith. Persistently pursue inherit, inheriting the land, which is your body. Obtain the favor of God. Chase after acquiring peace. And keep good instruction. This is what it means holding fast what is good. And we have seven components that speak of holding fast what is good. I won't read the places of scripture, but I will just go through the, the components themselves. First, hold fast what is good is to wait on the Lord and keep His way, which is acceptable to us. It is accessible to us by the preached word spoken by our superiors who are placed over us by God. Second, hold fast what is good is hold fast to instruction, not abandoning it, abandoning it and keeping it because it is our life. Third, hold fast what is good is to walk the way of goodness, who follow the voice of a good pastor and hold on to the path of righteousness. Fourth, hold fast what is good is to fight the good fight of faith, laying hold of it on eternal life to which we are called in Christ Jesus. Fifth, hold fast what is good is to flee from youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with all those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Sixth, hold fast what is good is to hold on to the weight of his statutes, which God has taught us by being taught and instructed in faith. And seventh, hold fast what is good is with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water hold fast the confession of our hope without 
wavering. This is what it means to hold fast what is good. And we again come to the point that it is necessary by confessing the faith of your heart, the good words that we receive. Let us now thank God in this prayer for the word that we have received. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege to be upon this place where you have put a remembrance for your name. We thank you that today you continue to establish us in your truth, establish us in your covenant, and we today, according to your mercy, collaborate with you, with your name. Lord, you are our rock. We thank you that we are rooted and established in love. We can comprehend with all the saints that are upon this place and who look, who watch us on the on the TV screen but are in the same spirit. What, are, what is the width, length, depth, and height and to comprehend the love of Christ so that we can be filled with all of the fullness of Christ. We thank you that we are able today to leave all evil, leave all evil that was clothed into garments of good so that the Lord can today allow us to prepare our altar, the motives of our heart, so that we can be before you, stand before you. We thank you that you continue to teach us and help us hold fast what is good. We thank you for your church which is our mother, this great Jerusalem. We thank you, Lord, for your messengers. We thank you for the person of God whom you've given to us into our life. We thank you, Lord, that today we can receive this truth that your messenger has passed on to us and compare ourselves and clothe ourselves into the confessions of this truth which are the possession of our heart and our mind we thank you for this truth and that you respond to your anointed ones from your holy holy heavens you save your anointed one and we pray Lord today for our pastor brother Arkady that you Lord open up the door or the word and you will do this when you are able to open the mysteries of your word we pray Lord that that mystery that has been concealed for ages from many people that it may be revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your messenger who is led by the Holy Spirit and we pray that this door be open so that he can preach the word with boldness and that you continue to reveal to us mysteries the mysteries of Christ 
which have been hidden but are revealed today in your word and being inspired by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of Jesus, for the spirit of prophecy, that today you allow us to receive this word into our heart and renew our mind with this word so that it can become the possession of our heart, our confessions. You said in your word that we would hold fast the confessions of our faith, that we hold strong the hope. We hold on, we confess our trust upon your word. And so for this, our prophecy, the confessions of this word begins with a demonstration of our ability to receive your word. And our fellowship with you begins with our our ability to hear your word, to keep your word, to understand your word, to comprehend the meaning, the significance, the importance of the last days, to have a wise heart so that we know the time not when you will fulfill your promise, but how much time we still have so that we can obtain a wise heart and so that we collaborate with your statutes. You said within your word that time is close and we wait for the master who will come with a harvest to take his church and you will come You will come quickly, you will come at a time when people will not expect. It will not be unexpected for us because we did not search for the day and hour. We were searching for your will, your goals, your motives. We searched not to examine ourselves and test ourselves but only to examine and test ourselves that our altar be in accordance to your goals and your motives, not our own. We test ourselves in accordance to the word that we hear and we receive. And we pray, Lord, show your mercy and test us also, Lord. Test us using the word that you have prepared, that you've given to your messenger for the church. We pray that you continue to test us by the word and continue to edify us, to give us wisdom, to give us correction. Correct us using the word of your messenger and we wait for the moment and we thank you for the time when you will test us. The mystery of faith that you will teach us and reveal to us. We have today the great privilege upon this place to collaborate with you. Collaborate with the name of God, Rock, so that you can establish us, establish our salvation, establish our foundation, our justification. You establish us in the righteousness of Christ establish us in your kingdom and for this we worship before you and we thank you that you have redeemed us 
from all tribes, languages, and people, and have made us kings and priests. We thank you that you, you, in the death of the Lord Jesus, have allowed us to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our personal desires. And you have said that if we unite with you in your death, we will also unite with you in your resurrection. Thank you for your resurrection in our bodies. We pray, may the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our body, and may people be successful in this. <clears throat> and so, our opportunity we have today to renew our mind so that we can be clothed into a new form of life. We thank you for the order that is within our ourselves in our essence. Thank you for the fear of the Lord, the righteousness and on and honesty that's in us. <clears throat> we thank you that you have al- allowed us to have this order of yours within our heart and it allows us to properly pray to be compassionate and, under- and understand to be considerate of those whom you've given to us in church to worry and pray for those that may not be with us today right now but are in need of our assistance we have the responsibility to pray for them also we have the responsibility as children to pray for one another you say pray for one another and bless one another we pray Lord for the saints that are in illness today that are in need of your touch your healing We pray, Lord, may the sun of righteousness arise in their life and healing in its rays. We pray that today the sun of righteousness rise and this promise that belongs to the door of our hope, the resurrection of Christ in our body. When the corrupt will be devoured by the incorrupt, when the mortal will be devoured by immortality, when death will be devoured by victory. We thank you, Lord, for the Son of Righteousness, for this great calling, for this great promise, the revelation that you've revealed to us. And we pray that in the rays of this promise, we receive healing for our bodies, and we receive healing for our children, for those saints that are in need of your touch. And we pray, Lord, that your healing hand would be able to touch them. We thank you that you continue to care, not just for our spirit and soul, giving us your word, but you also care for our body, giving your blood and your bread, your body, meaning that you consider our body that is today suffers, it gets sick, it is weak. We pray, Lord, that death be ashamed. May you give your sign, your sign of resurrection and healing in the bodies of your saints and your nation. And may all of your enemies be ashamed. May death be ashamed. May the wicked and the lawless be ashamed. But we will come out and will dance as young bulls, strong bulls, and we'll trample upon the wicked, we'll trample upon them as dust in the streets. We thank you, Lord, for this great honor 
which you have prepared for your chosen nation. Thank you for this uniqueness for this last times. Thank you for every saint that is upon this place whom we consider greater than ourselves. We don't have any stumbling because we look at the example and role model you've given to us in the church. And when it comes to all weakness and all maybe word that may have been spoken accidentally or thing that may have been done accidentally or unintentionally towards someone, may these be forgiven. We forgive those things and forgive one another because we serve you. We pray, Lord, remember us when we will turn to you and send your help from heaven. We thank you, Lord, and we prepare our heart to receive the word that you will give to us in the next services. We thank you for your word and for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your church, for your Zion, for every saint that has dedicated himself to serve you. Thank you for our for those that serve in the church, for the operators, the singers, the assistants, all those who serve, the apostles, the teachers, the evangelists, pastors, thank you for every saint who is within your order and who is a possessor of your order within his heart. Thank you for the atmosphere of your love and the atmosphere of your peace in your righteousness. May your name be blessed, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.